Why don't we pray together before we kick off? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we have this week to dig into your word. Uh, We pray that um, as we go through um, your book every day, uh, we'll have open hearts, hearts that are soft and ready to learn and be taught and understand. So please give us wisdom and insight as we read um, and give us um, hearts uh, that will accept change and accept your word is speaking into our lives, that would have much to learn. Um, please give us your spirit to help us understand um, all that you have to say to us this week. And we pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. All right, so um, my brother, he's colorblind, right? It doesn't mean that he can't see color. Some people think that he just sees in black and white. Um, that's pretty funny. But all it means is that he can't tell the difference between two colors when they're next to each other. Um, or they swap each other's colour. Red's red and green is green. We used to joke about it a lot as kids. Um, we would argue about who was really right about who was colourblind and who was not. Was it that all the rest of the world was colourblind and he just had true vision? He could see everything right and everyone else, they're just wrong. It led him to go, and, you know what? I'm just going to teach my kids that red is red and green is green. You know what? Stuff it. I'm going to teach them that cows are horses and horses are cows. It's the same thing. I'm just teaching them a new word for the same thing that's right in front of them. Now imagine he did teach his kids everything the wrong way around. What would it be like for those kids to interact with the normal world? Imagine they rock up on their first day of kindy and the teacher says, all right, we're going to go through animal noises. What noise is this, Johnny? And it's like, Cowan's like, moo! It's like, what? He'd make a total fool of himself. Imagine it's you, you're on the first date with your new girlfriend or whatever, you're driving along and drive past a, um, a um, field of cows or whatever and you're just trying to make a conversation and you're like, oh, I love horse milk. Like, you'd look like an idiot. You'd look totally crazy. Life would be embarrassing. Like, imagine trying to start a conversation like that anyway. I love horse milk. <laughs> You'd look crazy. Um, because your knowledge doesn't match with reality. It's important to know cows are cows and horses are horses and have the right word associated with the right colour because it will save you from making an absolute fool of yourself. The truth matters. Being wrong about something can make you look like an idiot. But there's a truth... That's more important than knowing the difference between animals and the truth that we should be thinking about a lot because it's a truth that concerns eternity. In the book of Galatians we're looking at this week, we see Paul is correcting something that they're wrong about. They've walked away from a truth. Paul calls them fools because they're wrong about something more significant than colours. We're just going to plough through Galatians. Um, So we're going to start simple and look at the intro, who it's from, who it's to. And as we go through, um, I want you guys to be keep keep an ear out for the tone of Galatians. So we'll just start in the intro. And I want you to look for the idea that there seems to be something wrong with the Galatians. They're they're thinking about something in a wrong way. So let's start from verse 1. Paul says... Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers with me to the churches in Galatia. Galatians is a letter written by Paul 
to a bunch of churches in Galatia. Simple, right? Galatians wasn't the title of the letter. It was who it was addressed to. Right, so we're still looking out for the tone of the letter. Let's keep reading from verse 3. It says, Grace and peace to you from our God and Father, the Lord, of, um, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, this is a very, very normal thing for Paul to say. He does it in every one of his other letters. He says, grace and peace to you, right? But here you'll see he does it with a big twist. It's much longer than what he normally says. Normally, he'll just pretty much go, grace and peace, and leave it at that and move on. But here, it's way longer. It would be like if I signed off at the end of a letter, I'd normally go, best regards, right? But imagine one time I go, best regards, I think of you in the best way. I want you to know that you have my best regards. It's like just a really elaborate way, expanding what I mean when I just say best regards. All I'm doing is that. Paul is being extra explicit here when he says grace and peace because he wants them to understand what he means when he just says grace and peace. He means grace and peace from God our Father who gave himself for our sins, an absolute act of grace which we didn't deserve that brings peace between us and God by rescuing us from the present evil age. The phrase grace and peace is actually like a mini gospel. And I think Paul is explaining it a bit more here because it has something to do with the issue that the Galatians are having. He's taking extra time to explain because he, um, what he means because it's going to come up again and again throughout the entire letter to the Galatians. The Galatians have got something wrong with the gospel. So let's take a look at verse 6 and see if we're right. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Catch the tone. It's not, I'm astonished. It's, I'm astonished. Normally, Paul will say to whoever is writing, whether it's the Colossians or the Philippians or the Ephesians, every time he writes to them, it's with joy and thankfulness. You'll get his introduction. You'll say, hi, I'm Paul. I'm writing to you, Colossians. Um, and then he'll have this massive section. will be, every time I think of you, it's with joy. Um, I, I write with thankfulness and prayer. I think of you guys in the best way, all this kind of stuff. But here, he skips all of that and just goes, I'm astonished. Why is he astonished? Well, it's because the Galatians, you can see in verse 6, are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. In other words, a different gospel equals no gospel. This is why Paul is writing to the Galatians. He's writing because they've turned away from the gospel he taught to one that is one that he didn't teach. You could say that they're abandoning the gospel Paul taught. The language Paul uses is like they're soldiers deserting, they're changing teams, they're um, jumping ship, they're fighting against Paul instead of with Paul. They're not fighting for the gospel that Paul taught anymore. It would be like Mick Fanning deciding that he's going to surf for Brazil now. Man, what a sucker punch. That would suck. 
It would be like a New South, um, New South Wales state of origin player changing teams at halfway, half time. He would come in with a Queensland jersey on. His teammates would be like, what are you doing, man? He's like, I'm sick of losing. I'm going to play for Queensland now. <laughs> it would suck. But that's the Galatians. They're changing allegiance from Paul's gospel and have turned to a different gospel, which Paul says is no gospel at all. Paul hasn't really told us what this different gospel is yet, right? But he doesn't need to. As long as it's a different gospel from the one that he taught, it's no gospel at all. Paul has already ever so slightly hinted at the gospel that he taught, and we saw it back in verse 3. So come back to verse 3, and we'll just look at it again. It says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the message of the gospel. Jesus gave himself for our sins to rescue us. Jesus did it according to the will of God. And Jesus' death on the cross to rescue sinners glorifies God forever and ever. The gospel is good news, right? You guys know this. It's not news about what you have to do or what you have to change. or It's not advice. It's not even a rule book. It's about what God has done, not what you need to do. What has God done? Well, he's rescued us. If you're changing to anything that's other than this gospel, according to Paul, it's no gospel at all. Imagine what kind of things that you could say to change the gospel that that is. Jesus gave himself for our sins to rescue us. Oh, but we can also rescue ourselves with good behaviour to make up for the wrong things that were done. Man, if you added that to the gospel, all of a sudden it it becomes completely different from the original gospel that Paul taught. Whatever you add or change in the gospel perverts it which is the very thing that Paul goes on to say. Have a look at verse 7. Verse 7 says, uh, halfway through, Evidently, some people are throwing you into a confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. What happens when you make the gospel different? What happens when you preach a gospel that's other than the one that Paul taught? It's no gospel at all. It's a gospel plus, which just means the gospel with something added to it. The gospel plus is really no gospel at all. I don't know who this paper is, but I'm just going to wipe it off. I've got got something to show you. I love milkshakes, right? Milkshakes are like my favourite thing ever. You know, like full cream cow's milk, or is this horse's milk? I don't know. One or the other. Put some caramel topping in there. You like scoop heaps of um, ice cream in. I got the cooks to make this up before. Does anyone want this? Yeah? All right, just stay there. I've got something to add to it. Oh, what's this? I went out and uh, collected some poo. And it's, um, it's made the packet warm. It was like warm as I scooped it in. It's all soft. I'm like squishing it. And it's like... It's fresh. It was definitely last night. <laughs> like, this stuff is, oh, uh, yeah, 
It's poo. It's from an animal's butt. I'm just going to put it in this milkshake. This is like, oh. Yeah, it's still like squishy in there. Does anyone want this bag? or? Nah. It's a good bag. Ziploc things. I'm just going to... This looks like a um, one of those Asian milkshakes with the lumps in it. You know what I mean? Just give it a stir. It's it's definitely gone brown. <laughs> like I'm just gonna mush some of these against the side of the the cup because um oh oh it smells like an animal's butt. Oh, this is um someone you still wanted this. Do you want this milkshake? No. I saw it was you. You had your hand up. Yeah. Do you still want it? No. This milkshake is done, right? It's perverted. Who would drink this? It sucks. Anything you add to the purity of this milkshake has destroyed it. It's no longer a milkshake. It's like a a poo shake. It's disgusting. If someone gave me this milkshake, I definitely wouldn't drink it. I'd probably pour it on their face and walk away. I'd lose it. There's no way I'd drink it. I'd be mad, right? But nowhere near as mad as what Paul is in Galatians. Because Paul isn't upset about someone ruining his milkshake. He's upset about someone ruining the gospel, people adding their junk to it. He's angry over it. Is there a right context to be angry? Very rarely. I think I could probably count on one hand the times that I've been rightly angry. There's so few of all the times that I've been angry in my life. But here, there's nothing better for Paul to be rightly angry over. And he's got some pretty heavy words to say. So have a look at verse 8. Verse 8 says, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one that we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. Or this is an old NIV. Yours might say, under God's curse. As we have already said, so I say now again, if anybody is preaching you a gospel other than the one that you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Yikes, that's full on. But guess what? This is the exact time when it's right to be angry. Imagine, this isn't going to happen, but imagine we go back to EV, we go back to church, and there's been some leadership changes. We got a new guy, and he's preaching a whole bunch of new rubbish. He's saying that everyone goes to heaven, so let's forget about mission. Let's forget about coming to church, because it's all going to work out anyway. Everyone's going to be there. What if he said all roads lead to heaven? doesn't matter what religion you're in. They all have the same destination. Let's stop fighting and be friends. Man, you would be rightly angry with that message and you would be biblically justified about being angry about it from here in Galatians. Here in Galatians, Paul is angry because people are tampering with the gospel. And Paul's angry as they turn to a different gospel. Why? because it's a matter of life and death. Now, we don't really know what the different gospel is. We haven't, the Galatians will know, because they're the ones turning to it. 
But us, as readers, we've got no idea. So I think what we'll do, we'll jump to Acts 15, because this gives us a bit of an idea of what the different gospel is that they're turning to. It's a bit of a cheat sheet. Um, And Acts is, um, it's a a bit like a... um, history that runs parallel to the letters that Paul's writing. And so we can flick there and have a look. So why don't you flick over to Acts 15. And this is what was going on in the area. It will say um, some men came down from Judea to Antioch. Antioch is right next to Galatia. And when, when um, so Paul's in Galatia and when people came to challenge him, they'd often meet in Antioch. So Antioch, we're in Antioch. So verse 1. Some men, uh, Acts 15, verse 1. Some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Now we'll be talking about these guys a fair bit through the week. These guys who are teaching this message. So we're going to give them a name, right? These guys are pretty much saying to the Galatians, who aren't Jews, the Galatians aren't Jews by and large, that they need to become Jews and obey the law in order to be saved. And it's not just any law, it's the law that came from Moses. So they talk about it as the Mosaic law. They have to obey that law in order to be saved. Saying to the Galatians, you need to become like us. You need to become Jews. So the name we're going to give them is Judaizers. They're Jews who want the Gentiles to obey Jewish laws and customs. Clear? Yeah? This teaching is saying that it's all well and good that you believe that Jesus is Lord, but you also have to be circumcised and obey the customs that Moses taught. You have to be obedient to the law. Jesus has saved you from your sin, but now it's your job to complete that work by being obedient to the law. Actually, it's a bit worse than that. They're saying that only by being obedient to the law can you be saved by Jesus. Um, I've got a little... Yeah, if this life is your... If this um, line is your... This timeline is your life... The Judaizers are saying, you've got to do all these good works before you actually reach a point where you can be saved. Obey the laws and customs taught by Moses and then you'll be saved. That's what they're saying. These Judaizers are coming amongst the Galatians and teaching them something in direct opposition to Paul. They're coming and saying, Paul's wrong and we're right. You can't just be saved because Jesus is a rescuer. You've got to do something to become savable. You've got to obey the works of the law. Because what was Paul's gospel back in verse 3? Grace and peace to you, God the Father, Lord Christ, who gave him for our sins, uh, he gave himself for our sins to rescue us. That's the gospel that Paul was teaching. God sent his son to rescue us. The gospel isn't about what you've got to do. Like be a good person or become a better person. It's not advice. No, Paul's gospel is more like this. You're that kid caught in a rip, going out to sea. You're going to drown. You can't swim forever. And you need someone to save you. You need a lifesaver. Come and rescue you. You're totally helpless to save yourself. 
You're not someone in control, confidently swimming your way through life. Someone asks you how you're doing, you're saying, swimmingly, I'm doing great. Nah, you're the kid out the back drowning, getting absolutely pumped. We know what this kid needs. This kid needs someone to save him. He needs a lifesaver. The guys with the yellow and red hat need to swim out and save him. But imagine there's this guy standing out in the rocks at Terrigal Point and he's just watching this kid bob out. He's floating away and he's, all he's doing is yelling out to him, paddle a bit harder for a bit longer. You'll get there, man. Just keep paddling. You'll get, you'll get in eventually. Man, you'd be rightly angry with this guy. What he's saying is going to kill the kid. His message or advice is what exactly will kill that kid. The gospel says that Jesus is the lifesaver and he's come to rescue you. Paul is so protective about that message that he would have himself or anyone else who preaches a message other than that eternally condemned under God's curse. If that guy on the rocks was part of a life-saving club, wouldn't you want him fired? Wouldn't you want him to lose his job? You'd want to get him. You'd want to get rid of him. No wonder Paul is furious. He's being protective about the only gospel that saves, because it's a gospel that speaks the truth that you need a rescuer, not that you can save yourself. It matters to main, maintain the integrity of the gospel that Jesus is a rescuer. Because as soon as you believe something else than that, it won't save you. It matters to maintain the integrity of the milkshake. You protect it. Don't let anyone put anything in there. It matters because you're protecting what it is. So no, Paul doesn't need to take a chill pill because his anger is coming out of concern for the Galatians. Because if they continue believing this gospel that's falsely been taught to them, It'll lead them to hell. So the next thing we're going to see is that the gospel is God's gospel. And Paul has authority over the Galatians because he received it from God, not from man. So Paul starts out with a big claim to prove his authority. So have a look in verse 11. Verse 11 says, um, in Acts 15, I was like, man, this looks weird. Galatians. Verse 11 says, I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Well, big claim, right? Paul is saying that no one taught him the gospel. It came straight from God. Paul says the same kind of thing at the start of the letter. He says, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. Paul is really clear about this. He wants the Galatians to have no doubt that he considers himself to be an apostle sent by God, not man. And this is what it actually means to be an apostle, to be sent by Jesus Paul really met the risen Jesus on the road to Damascus and he was turned from someone who was persecuting the church to someone who served it. And you see in Acts 9, you know, if you'll flick there, but 
Jesus says about Paul, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. And that's where Paul's authority comes from. He's sent by Jesus, the risen Jesus. Paul wasn't sent by some group of men who came to an agreement about what he should preach and teach and then he went out and spread what they told him to. No, he went and spread out the message that had been given to him by the Lord Jesus. There's something really cool in the rest of this passage, and you'll look at it in your G-teams, but Paul gives a bunch of alibis in the rest of the chapter to prove that he had no interaction with the other leaders of the church. And when they finally met and said, are we preaching the same thing? It turned out they were preaching the exact same thing even though they'd never met. Paul goes to all this trouble to defend his authenticity and his authority because it's the source of his authority over the gospel. The false teachers didn't get their gospel from God or the risen Jesus. They're just a bunch of men who've cooked up their own gospel and one that certainly doesn't agree with the gospel of the apostles, which is the gospel that Jesus saves That's the point Paul is making here. Paul is an apostle of Jesus and acknowledged as one by the other apostles. These false teachers have no authority. Paul goes to great lengths to prove how authentic he is, that he's got it right and he has authority to correct the Galatians. And this is great, right? Because why should you trust Paul? You should trust Paul for the same reasons that the Galatians should trust Paul. This is really relevant to us. Because when you read your Bible, you're reading the Word of God. Paul had authority because he'd been sent by Jesus himself and the things he wrote were the words inspired by God. Check this out. We know that all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, correcting and rebuking. If you come over to 2 Timothy chapter 3, we'll just do a real quick flick because this is great to see. You guys know this passage, right? Let's, ah, yeah, this is every. Hey, I don't know this song. (laughs) I never went through EV Kids. So this is awesome, right? You're learning scripture, right? That's, you could just pop into your head and sing it. 3.16. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. All scripture is God-breathed. Now jump to 2 Peter, a bit further. Two Peter, chapter 3, verse 15. It's kind of matching up. This is Peter talking about Paul. Peter says, Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant people um, and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures. 
to their own destruction. How does Peter think of Paul's writing? He thinks of Paul's writing among the other scriptures. He says they distort Paul's writing like they distort the other scriptures. The, the, um, the assumption is that Paul's writing is part of the scriptures. So we know all scriptures God breathed. And we know that Paul was considered, his writing was considered as part of the scriptures. When you read Paul, or any part of the Bible for that matter, you're hearing the word of God. Are you following the, uh, sorry, are you allowing the Bible to correct your views? Or are you trying to fit the Bible into your already existing opinions? The Bible can't say that. That would mean I have to change my opinion about money. Paul can't mean that. That would have to mean I'd change my opinion about predestination. The Bible can't say that. That would mean I have to change my opinion about hell. Do you have a whole lot of voices telling you what you should think? The only voice that should matter is the Bible. That's why when we preach, we're at pains to make sure that we're preaching from the Bible. So when your mates tell you something and you think that it sounds a little bit sketchy, ask them, oh, where do you see that in the Bible? Why do you think that? When you go to youth or church, make sure that you bring your Bible along with you so that you can check that what the preacher is teaching is from the actual Bible. And even when you hear someone that is really, really, really encouraging or they're really engaging, they're intelligent, they're really attractive or they're really impressive, make sure that you don't accept what they have to say just because it's exciting and there's a good vibe around it. Make sure that the message they give is from the Bible and that, it's, um, and that if it's not from the Bible, you can walk out. You can shout them off the stage. Get rid of them. If you're really not confident that what they've spoken is from the Bible, make sure you grab them at the end of the talk and go, do you mind just showing me where this came from in the Bible? Grab them. Paul is serious about this. He says, even if an angel came along and impressed the heck out of you with all his angelness, still, if it's a gospel that's other than the one that he taught, reject him, run away, shut him up. This means even if your parents, yes, your parents, even if they teach you a different gospel, you can politely disagree with them and show them the real gospel in the Bible. The gospel Paul taught is recorded for us. It's here in Galatians as well as throughout the whole New Testament. Don't wander away from the gospel in the scriptures because that is the saving gospel. And that's the gospel that Paul is defending as we go into the first chapter of Galatians. That's what he's upset about. It's so important to get the gospel right because once you change it, or add anything to it, it's no longer the gospel of Jesus Christ. It will no longer save you. And it's a matter of life and death to get the gospel right. Why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can see your gospel clearly written and recorded here in Galatians. We can see that it's a gospel that says we're sinners 
We can't save ourselves and we need a saviour to rescue us. We thank you that you've done that, um, that we don't have to try paddle our way out of the problems that we're in, but that we can look to Jesus, his death on the cross, and know that we have a saviour who is ready and willing and paid the price, dealt with the cost and will save us. We pray that um, as we stick to that gospel, anything that tries to be added to that or changed, that we would be strong, would look to your word, know the gospel, that we would rehearse the gospel in our hearts, teach it to ourselves, so that when anything sounds dodgy, that we would be able to remind ourselves of the gospel that will save us. Help us stick to that resolutely and help us share that gospel with people around us, even our parents or friends, um, that you would give us clear words to say about what your gospel really is. I pray all this in your son's name. Amen.